Well, good morning, church family. It's great to be with you in worship today, wherever you're joining us from. Happy New Year. I'm Pastor Tony. I'm Pastor Todd. Great to have you on this first Sunday of the New Year and the first Sunday of our new sermon series. We're calling this sermon series, I Didn't Learn That in Sunday School. It's kind of an old news or a it's new, new old for sermon me. series. Yeah, yeah. new for me. Yep. Apparently, we did this a couple years ago. <laughs> That's and we're right. bringing it back. It's called, um, I Didn't Learn That in Sunday School. And Basically, the whole idea is we're taking the most bizarre kinds of stories from Scripture, the ones that you didn't learn in Sunday school, yeah. and we're, we're seeing what truths of the gospel we can find in those stories, um, because there's a lot that we can learn from all aspects of God's Word. If you grew up in Sunday school, you probably heard the stories of the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Those types of stories get a lot of play. But if you've ever read through the Bible, I'm sure you've come to texts that you were just like, what, that's in there? Those are the ones we're looking at through this whole series. And today we're looking at a text from Ezekiel chapter 4 that I'm calling the longest sermon ever. Oh yeah? How it's long is it? 430 days. Whoa! So <laughs> I'm not preaching the whole thing. Typically for like a 30 to 35 minute sermon, I got to spend 10 to 12 hours in preparation. That yeah. sounds rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Ezekiel did not have to spend a lot of preparation. Oh, he just, okay. God told him, get a brick, write on the brick, and then lay down next to it for 430 days and proclaim my message. Wow, that sounds rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's just the beginning of it. But we're going to get into it in a few minutes. Before then, you've got some information that will help us join yeah. into this worship service. So just want to invite you at this time to type your name into the chat or log in. Let us know where you're joining us from today. We always love to celebrate how God is bringing our church together all across the world. Also, if you are a note taker, we have sermon notes in the notes tab under the chat. You can download those. There's a link there. Print them off at home. Pastor Todd's got some fill in the blanks for you. And also, if you click the resources link at the top of the page, you'll get access to our online bulletin and a few other resources, such as our Bible reading plan that we're going to be on all year. And uh, we're going to be, um, those things are going to help you to connect into the life of Christ Church. And then finally, um, today we're coming around the Lord's table. And so we want to encourage you at home to, to get some bread, to get some juice or wine, whatever you have available. And to just set that aside, we'll be leading you in just a little bit in a time of coming around the Lord's table. And so church family, let's join our hearts together as we join together in this time of celebration and praise. church family how we doing Merry Christmas and Happy New Year is it okay if I still say Merry Christmas like can I get away with that for another couple days maybe it's great to have you in worship welcome everybody who's worshiping with us online it is truly an honor to have you in worship church family can we begin our time of worship by standing to our feet giving God all the praise and glory this morning Cause he hung upon that cross, then he rose up from that 
Yo 
When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. Shame no longer has a place to I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. before you today, Lord, in a new year. And we recognize, Lord, that we may all be coming from a different place as we engage in this time of worship. Some of us may be facing the new year with, um, with hope, hope for a better day, hope for a better year. But some of us may be struggling. Some of us may be struggling with fear, with the way our lives are turning out or the way things are going in the world we just pray lord that we would remember that when we come here when we worship you we're reminding ourselves of a truth that is so fundamental and that truth is something that jesus revealed to us and that is that you have overcome this world every trial every circumstance that may follow us from one year to the next, you have overcome through your great love for us, through the cross. 
And so, Lord, help us. If, if there are people among us who struggle here in Fairfax Station or online, help us to remember that you have overcome and that you are a God of new beginnings. And as we enter into this brand new year, help us, Lord, to embrace those new beginnings, to recognize your movement in our lives and to honor those movements by walking alongside the path you've laid for us. Help us, Lord, to grow in our love for each other and our love for you. Help us to be more faithful. Help us, Lord, to find accountability for those things in our lives that we know need to change, but perhaps we can't do it on our own. And Lord, help us always to look to a new day with hope, to remember, Lord, that because of what you've done for us, because of who you are, we have the ultimate cause to hope. And so whatever it is that we're bearing into this space today, whether it's this physical space or the digital space, we lay it down at your feet. We thank you, Lord, for the good gifts you've given us, for the roof over our head, the clothes on our back, and the food on our plate, for the gift of family, for the gift of friends, for the gift of this moment where we can focus on your presence with us. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would be upon this gathering and that your spirit would be on Pastor Todd as he delivers the message today, as he delivers a message about your redeeming work in our lives and in our world. Help us, Lord, to grow in our faith in you and to go and do likewise in the world. Thank you, God. And so we pray these things recognizing that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, beginning in the end, Alpha and the Omega, the great I am. And we pray them with gratitude and great expectation in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be in worship with you today. Uh, we've got uh, a gathering here in Fairfax Station, and also many of you are joining us online as well. Some of you, listen to this, are joining us from the D.C. area, Delaware, West Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, California, Hawaii. Um, we've got some people joining us actually from the Dominican Republic and Kenya, Mexico. And uh, we even have a couple who are driving on I-70 in Indianapolis right now. So uh, uh -oh. welcome to you as well. Yeah, just, just keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> so we're glad that you're here with us. If you're online, just want to invite you to click the connection card link at the top of the page. If you're in person, there are, should be uh, cards in the seat back in front of you with QR codes. Just take out your phone, go to the camera app, hover it over, and click the link that pops up. This is our way of hearing from you, of connecting with you, and uh, seeing how we can pray for you as a church family and how we can, can get you connected to the life-giving ministries of Christ Church. In two weeks, we're going to have a question and answer, a Q&A with Pastor John. We're going to be looking at some of the things that God did here in 2021 last year and some of the things God's going to be doing in 2022 look over our budget and, and think about uh, kind of some of the business sides of the church as well as some of the spiritual sides. Right. Love to have you join us online or in person. Right. And, you know, this is the time of the year where many of us are making New Year's resolutions, right? Um, and usually uh, we, we laugh at those because within like a week we've already given up on our resolutions. Like, do I have a witness out there about this? Mm. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that one of the reasons why our resolutions fail is a lack of accountability. You know, we try to do it by our own power, but we don't succeed. Well, one of the things that we're very purposeful here about at Christ Church is we have a, a number of classes called Faith Essentials. And the Faith Essentials are those classes that we believe will help you to move a step closer to Christ and Christ-likeness in your faith journey. The first one that's starting up this semester, there's going to be three. The first one starting up is Your New Life. It's going to start on January 18th. That's a Tuesday at 6.45 p.m. Basically, that class is all about the pathway that we walk to grow in our faith. You're going to learn six practical strategies for growing in your faith in the new year. And so if you're interested in that, you can visit our website, uh, our Faith Essentials page, 
and you can sign up and find out some more information there. My wife, Margaret, and I are going to be leading a marriage class starting January 30th. It's going to be on Sunday nights. It's for folks that are already married or folks that are engaged and thinking about getting married. We'd love to have you join us. It, it really looks at kind of eight essential elements to great marriages and how we can improve our marriages. And uh, everybody can use that, as far as I can tell. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Pastor Todd today, he's going to be starting a brand new series, although we did this series about three years ago. Yep. I didn't learn that in Sunday school. You can consider this part two if you were there back then. We've got a whole new uh, group of stories, and you've got kind of a strange, bizarre one to share with us today. Maybe one of the most bizarre. Yes, yes. maybe. We'll see. I'm calling this the <laughs> longest sermon ever. The longest sermon ever. You're going to get your money's worth today. This is the longest sermon ever. Before we get into that, uh, Happy New Year. You made it. 2021 is over. We don't know what 2022 is going to look like yet, but I'm believing that it's going to be better. I just believe God's got great things in store for us in 2022. And I believe there's things that we can do to take a step toward faith. There's things that we can do to take a step towards God. I'd really encourage you at the beginning of the year to do that. As Pastor Tony was talking about these faith essential classes, to, to make a decision to to put some practice in place that could help you to make 22, 2022 a year of stepping forward in faith. I would just suggest or, or uh, challenge you in two areas. Number one is to make uh, a decision to be in church each week, to set aside some time each Sunday to be in church. We make it easy for you here at Christ Church. We've got two services here in Fairfax Station on Sunday morning. We've also got them on our app and on the, the website, and you can join us from anywhere. They're also recorded in there. You can watch them later if you're someplace that you don't have internet. If you're on I-70 and your internet goes out, or if you hit a pocket where there's not good cell service, you can always follow up later. So if I were you, I'd, I'd, I'm making a decision. I'm going to be in church every Sunday in 2022 one way or another. And then I'd also challenge you to make a decision that I'm going to spend time with God every day. Not that we don't ever miss, because I always miss some days as well, but my, my goal is to spend some time in God's Word and in prayer every day. And one of the things I do to do this is to read through the Bible in a year. This coming year, in 2022, we as a church are going to be reading through the New Testament uh, in a Bible app. I've got 85 people or so already signed up reading through starting yesterday. You can start any time with us as you want. Uh, in five minutes a day, you can read through the New Testament in a year, and we can help support you in that. So if you want to know more about that, email me, Pastor Todd at ChristChurchVA.org, VA like Virginia, Pastor Todd to the two Ds, um, or mark that on your connection card, and we'll be in touch with you this week. Great. So we are talking about, um, I didn't learn that in Sunday school. I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school. Did anybody here grow up in Sunday school? You grew up basically going to Sunday school most weeks. I did. Anybody here, you never went to Sunday school. Sunday school was not your thing, not your family's thing. Well, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably heard these stories like uh, the Good Samaritan. Can I get a witness? You've heard that message, right? Or the prodigal son. Even if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, you probably heard of the prodigal son, the Good Samaritan, or Jesus feeding the 5,000, or the Beatitudes. These sermons, these messages, these texts get a ton of play in church. And even outside of church, these messages get a lot of notoriety. But have you ever read through the Bible, and as you're reading through the Bible, you come upon a text a story, a law, a prophecy, and you read it and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I never read that before. That's in the Bible? You ever had that happen? And you read it and you think, what the heck does that mean? Those are the stories that we are looking at for the next six weeks. We are looking at the stories that you did not hear in Sunday school. There's a lot of them, but we're going to take six of the most remote, the most confusing, the most difficult sections of Scripture and take a look at them and say, what does God have to say to us through these messages that don't get a lot of play? And today we're looking at one from Ezekiel chapter 4. Ezekiel is an Old Testament major prophet. There's Isaiah, there's Jeremiah, there's Ezekiel, there's Daniel. Ezekiel chapter 4, and this is a message that I'm calling the longest sermon ever because this is a message that God told Ezekiel to communicate to the people, and it took 430 days. 
This sermon took 430 days. We're trying to make it a little bit quicker this morning if you're following along with us, but I want you to get this message from the longest sermon ever. Okay, so quickly we're going to go through the story from Ezekiel 4. Uh, three points to Ezekiel's sermon, and then we're going to go through three points of what it means to us. You ready? Number one, the first point in Ezekiel's sermon was that Jerusalem will be destroyed. Did I tell you this is the longest sermon ever? Did I tell you it's also one of the most boring sermons ever? And in addition to that, it's one of the most difficult sermons ever because it's got a message that the people don't want to hear, right? It's long, it's boring, and it has a difficult message. Let me read it for you. Ezekiel 4, 1 through 4. Now you, son of man, that's what God called Ezekiel, God liked to use that term sometimes for his prophets. And that was a term that Jesus used to speak about himself. That was Jesus' favorite name for himself, son of man. Now you, son of man, get yourself a brick. Place it before you and inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem. And lay siege against it, build a siege wall, Raise up a ramp, pitch tents, and place battering rams against it all around. Then get yourself an iron plate, set it up as an iron wall between you and the city, and set your face toward it so that it is under siege and besiege it. This is a sign to the house of Israel. As for you, lie down on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear their iniquity for the number of days that you lie on it. God says to Ezekiel, they didn't teach you this in Sunday school, but God says to Ezekiel, get yourself a brick, all right? This is a, a brick, a clay brick, and inscribe on that brick the name Jerusalem. And set that brick down right in the middle of town. Ezekiel is in Babylon. We'll get into that in a minute. And then what I want you to do is I want you to build a little model of a siege wall against this brick. I think we got a picture of this. There it is. Build a, a, a little campments around the brick and a little siege wall and a little battering ram and then lay down next to the brick and I'm going to tell you how long to stay there. This is the sermon, you know. It's so boring the preacher's going to sleep, right? This because it's, it ends up being 430 days. But this is God's message. Ezekiel's a prophet. Ezekiel actually was a priest of the Lord. He's from Jerusalem. And in 597 BC, the Babylonians took Ezekiel and some other people from uh, Jerusalem to Babylon. This was the first exile. Let, let, me, let me just give you a, a little history and, and, and then we'll fit this in. I've got a picture here of Babylon. In about 612 BC, Babylon, which is here, became the dominant empire in the ancient Near East. Before that, it was Assyria up here in Nineveh and Egypt down here. But in 612 BC, the Babylonians attacked and destroyed the Assyrian empire in Nineveh and took over this whole area. And then in 605 BC, they came down and they destroyed the Egyptian army here, and they ended up taking all of this land that Egypt kind of oversaw. And in doing so, they became kind of the overseers of Israel, Palestinian area, this area here. And, uh, and in so doing, they, they, they were trying to figure out how to rule this area. And so what they did in, in 597 is they took like the, the elite people from, Israel, from Jerusalem, the ruling class, the chief priests, the elders of the people, took them to Babylon and they were teaching them Chaldean language and Babylonian culture so that they could learn to relate to the, their new, you know, emperors and so that they could then work through these people to rule this area of their empire. The, the thought, now Ezekiel is one of these people, and the thought was, we're just going to be in Babylon for a short time, a year or two. They're going to teach us Babylonian culture, they're going to teach us the language, then they're going to send us back to Jerusalem. It won't be so bad. I mean, it's not like the, king, the years of the, of the King David when Jerusalem was strong. But instead of paying our tribute to the Assyrians, we'll just pay our tribute to the Babylonians. Everything will be fine. We'll be good. That's what most people thought. 
that was not the case. And God's message to Ezekiel is, no, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. I want all of the Jewish people that are now in exile in Babylon to hear this. That's, that's the message, is that build a model of Jerusalem. Make siege walls against it. Build little camps against it. Lie down in the middle of the city, right next to this model. So everybody comes by and they say, what's Ezekiel doing? Oh, he's staring at Jerusalem being destroyed. That's God's message. And God told Ezekiel to lie there until I tell you it's over. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. That's the first point of Ezekiel's longest sermon ever. Second point of Ezekiel's longest sermon ever is that this is God's judgment for Israel's sin. God wants the people to know this is not just Babylonian expansionism. This is not just the Gentiles, you know, trying to become greater. That's happening too. But Jerusalem's going to be destroyed because of what Judah and Israel did. Let me read it for you, verse 5 through 8. For I have assigned you a number of days corresponding to the years of their iniquity, 390 days. Thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah, and I have assigned it to you for 40 days, a day for each year. Then... You shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, here it is, with your arm bared and prophesy against it. Now behold, I will put ropes on you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have completed the days of your siege. This sermon just keeps getting worse and worse, right? When God says, listen, this is what's going to happen. I want you to lie down on your left side for how long? 390 days, corresponding with the 390 years that the 10 northern tribes of Israel were disobedient to God. Remember, they worshiped false gods. They had kings like Ahab and queens like Jezebel. They offered their babies, their children in, in fires to these false gods. They, they refused to worship God in Jerusalem. And God says, because of that, you're going to be destroyed. And the Assyrians came in to destroy them. And then God says, after 390 days of lying on your left side, you get to get up and switch to the right side. Right? This is great. Great sermon. Lie on your right side for 40 days, corresponding with the 40 years that Judah the southern tribe of Israel, that Judah is disobedient against God, and Jerusalem is disobedient against God. And, and to make things even better, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some rope to tie yourself up so you can't turn from one side to the other. You're going to lie there for 430 days, one year, two months, and 10 days, lying there in the longest, most boring, most excruciating sermon ever preached. Ezekiel, you're going to lie there staring at this model that you've created of the destruction of your home, of your city, of God's city, of the temple. You're going to sit there for a year and two months and stare at this model that you've created, which represents the end of this people of God in Jerusalem and the end of the temple and the end of your home. It's excruciating, isn't it? A year, two months, ten days, the longest, most boring, most excruciating sermon ever. But friends, it gets worse. Roman numeral three, our third point of Ezekiel's sermon, is that bread and water will be scarce. Verses 9 through 17. But as for you, God speaking to Ezekiel again, take wheat barley, beans, lentils, millet, spelt, put them in one vessel and make them into a bread for yourself. You shall eat it according to the number of days that you lie on your side, 390. Your food which you eat shall be 20 shekels a day by weight. 20 shekels is equal to about a half pound of this grain mixture that he's got in this giant pot. 
You shall eat it from time to time. The water you drink shall be a sixth part of a hen by measure. A hen is like a gallon and a half. So a sixth part is like a quart or maybe a liter of water. That's his daily rations of water, one quart. You shall drink it from time to time. You shall eat it as a barley cake. It just gets worse, trust me. Having baked it in their sight, in the sight of his congregation, it's all listening to the sermon, over human dung. Right? Verse 13. The Lord said, Thus will the sons of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I have banished them, but I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I've never been defiled. From the time of my youth until now, I've never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has any unclean meat ever entered my mouth. And God said to me, See, I will give you cow's dung in place of human dung over which to prepare your bread. Oh, the grace of God, right? Can I get a witness? Got some cow's dung. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I'm going to break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they will eat bread by weight with anxiety and drink water by measure in horror because the bread and water will be scarce, and they will be appalled with one another and waste away in their iniquity. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Woo! Great sermon, right? Number one, your home's going to be destroyed. You're not going home. And in fact, the exiles in Jerusalem, in 587, Jerusalem was destroyed. More exiles came to Babylon. They lived there for like two generations until about 525 when they were able to go back after the Persians had destroyed the Babylonians. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Your home's going to be destroyed. Your temple's going to be destroyed. Point two, this isn't just Babylonian quest for power. This is because of your sin. Point three, Food's going to be scarce. Water's going to be scarce. And I want you as an example, as a model of all that, to tie yourself up and to lie down for a year and two months and ten days in front of this little model you've made of the city of Jerusalem and, and eat this poverty rations and cooked over cow manure and drink this poverty ration of water. The longest, most boring, most excruciating sermon ever. Can you imagine? I don't know how long you would have sat there for that sermon, but Ezekiel for a year and two months and ten days lying there, just staring at this model of the destruction of his home. How horrible is this? And so the question is for us today, what, what is this even doing in God's word, right? What is God's message to us? You know, we live more than 2,500 years later. What is God trying to communicate to us through this excruciating, terrible sermon? And I've come up with a main idea and then three parts. The main idea is, is that I think what God's trying to say to us is that sin has consequences, but God will redeem Sin has consequences of what God will redeem. And I just want to walk you through that and apply that to our lives. Number one, three lessons from the world's longest sermon. Number one, sin has consequences. In the lives of Israel, in the lives of Judah, in your life and my life today, sin has consequences. Israel rebelled against God for 390 years, worshipped false gods, disobeyed God's law, destroyed God's prophets and messengers. And because of that, Israel, the ten northern tribes, were destroyed by the Assyrians. That's part of this whole point of Ezekiel 4. The, the southern tribe of Judah rebelled against God. They had the temple, but they weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping themselves. They, they corrupted the temple. And because of that, God allowed the temple to be destroyed and the people to be taken into exile. Sin in their lives had consequences. Of course, that was never God's plan. God's plan was to redeem a nation for himself, to choose a nation for himself, to bring them into a land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to live in this covenant relationship with them. But they wouldn't have it. And because of that, sin has consequences. It's true in your life and my life as well. When we know God wants us to go this way and we go this way, what happens? We end up over here and God's best is over there. When we know God says do X and you'll get X 
result, and we do Y, why do we expect Y X result? We, we get Y. If, if, if we sow grapes, we tend to, it's not always true in life because there's lots of randomness and, 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 and things that happen in life that don't exactly follow, but if, if we plant grapes, we tend to reap grapes. If we plant thorns and thistles, we tend to reap thorns and thistles. Sin has consequences. It's true in our lives. It's true in our relationships. It's true in our workplace. It's true in our finances. Things we do tend to have consequences. And that's the first message that God is speaking through Ezekiel, is that Israel's sin is leading to a consequence. The destruction of this covenant relationship they have with God, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of their, their city, their home. The second message I think we can take from this longest sermon ever is that sin removes us or tends to removes us or experientially removes us from God's will. That God's will was to have a close covenant relationship with his people, but the people wouldn't have it. They wanted to worship other gods. They wanted to worship gods of gold and silver and bronze and wood. And, and, and because of that, they pulled away from God and God's plan. And they, over time, got further and further away from God. What happened in, in the destruction of Jerusalem is actually the temple itself and the holy of holies and the holy place in the temple and the, and the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence visually resided with the people was lost. Now, of course, we know that God's presence resides everywhere, and there's nowhere we can go where we're outside of God's will. And even David says, if I go down to the depths of Sheol, to hell itself, God, you're there. So, so it's, we know that we don't ultimately leave God's will, but what we do is we leave experientially God's will. We're out there on our own. Our sin removes us from God's blessing, from God's plan, from God's purpose. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, Pastor, I don't know why I feel like God's so far from me. I don't feel God's presence. And there's a lot of potential reasons for that. And your feelings are not the best gauge of where God's at work always. But the truth is, maybe the best thing to look at is, have I done something? Have I gone somewhere have I led my life away from God? Because if God isn't with me, it's not God who left, right? It's me. Am, am I ignoring God's call? Am I rebelling against God's plan? Because sin removes us, at least experientially, from, from God's will, from God's home, from God's presence, from God's blessing. And number three, I think the third point that we can take from this sermon and apply to our lives is that God will redeem. This maybe is the most important for us to remember is that God will redeem. The good news of Ezekiel is that God will redeem. We don't hear that in the longest sermon ever. It just ends with Ezekiel lying there eating this horrible food cooked over cow's dung, watching the destruction of this model of Jerusalem. But the ultimate message of the book of Ezekiel is that God will redeem. Ezekiel's laid out like this. If you ever read through it, I'll just give you an outline of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapters 1 through 24 are all about God's condemnation and judgment over Israel and Judah because of their sin. That's the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel. That's what we're reading about today. Chapters 25 through 32 are all about God's judgment of all the other nations of the world. Israel has sinned against God. Those with the law have rebelled against God. But those who don't have the law have also sinned against God. Like Paul writes in, in Romans, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That those with the law have sinned against the law. Those without the law, they even know God through creation, and yet they haven't served the God, creator of all things. They've served the creation itself. They've made their own gods. And so chapters 25 through 32 are all about the fact that everyone is under sin and condemnation. But then chapters 33 through 48, the climax, the end of the book of Ezekiel chapters 33 through 48 are all about the fact that God 
will bring a promised restoration and redemption and new life. You think about chapters 37 where those dry bones come back together and live again and God breathes their life into them. And I want to read for you a little bit from chapters 37 verses 24 to 27 so you get an idea. But this goes on for chapters and chapters about God's redemption. It says, it'll be up on the screen, my servant David. Now when the scripture says my servant David here, he doesn't mean David the king himself. He means one from the line of David. My servant David will be king over them. And they will all have one shepherd. Think about who that could be. And they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. They will live on the land that I will give to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived. And they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. I will place them and multiply them and will set them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel saying, listen, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. This destruction's because of your sin. Food's going to be scarce. There's consequences. There's judgment. But a new day is coming. A new relationship is coming. A new land is coming. A new covenant is coming. A new king is coming with a new kingdom that I'm going to establish in your midst, and I'm going to live in the midst of you. My sanctuary is going to be in you, and I'm going to live with you. Ezekiel's talking about both the return of the exiles in about 525 B.C. and the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, but Ezekiel's looking further ahead than that, and he's talking about the coming of the Messiah who's going to establish a new kingdom, a new covenant, a new relationship. It says this one shepherd, this servant of David, this eternal prince, is going to rule over us and have this eternal kingdom that he's going to establish in the midst and live in our midst. And the point is, is that sin has consequences in our life but God redeems, that our God is a God of redemption and new life and restoration, that God isn't a God of condemnation, that God isn't a God of, of judgment. The judgment's part of the brokenness of this world, but God is a God of redemption and new life. That's the message of Ezekiel. That's the good news of the longest, most boring sermon ever. Now, when I think about this sermon there's one last thing that bothers me about this sermon. I mean, it's incredibly long, it's incredibly boring, and it has a topic which is painful. But there's one more thing that bothers me about this sermon, and maybe this is because I'm a preacher and I kind of empathize with Ezekiel the preacher. It doesn't seem fair, right? Ezekiel is a good guy. He's not the guy that's rebelling against God. He was a good priest. He was a good prophet. He did what God told him to do. And he ends up lying there for a year, two months, and ten days, wrapped up in robes, eating this horrible food cooked over cow's dung, right? All the sin of Israel and Judah is metaphorically, is by illustration, applied on him. That's what it says. 390 years Israel sinned against me, and you're going to bear it for 390 days. 40 years Judah sinned against me, and you're going to bear it on your right side for 40 days. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair that Ezekiel, this good guy, this obedient guy, this guy that walks with God, has to bear the sin of all the people who don't. But even as I say that, even as I think about that, it reminds me of this shepherd that's coming, right? We just celebrated his birthday last week. This man of God who's coming, this prophet of God, this priest of God who's coming, this perfect man who never sinned, the only one who's without sin, the only one that's not deserving of judgment. He fed the sick and set the oppressed free and proclaimed good news to those who are in poverty. 
And yet God led him and he went to the cross and there on the cross he bore all of our sin. He took our shame upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, this perfect person. Ezekiel only did it for a season as a model, but Jesus literally took the sin of the whole world, those under the law, those not under the law, all on himself so that we could be set free, so that we could be redeemed, so that we could become the children of God. And to me, that's the the good news in the longest sermon ever. The good news is that, yes, sin has consequences. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short, of glory, God, the, fall short of God's glory. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat that fruit, you will die. Sin has consequences. But the good news is, is that he bore them. That he took our death upon himself. That he took our sin upon himself. And then he came to live in us, to make our bodies his temple, his sanctuary, to establish a new covenant with us, to make us his. And as we start this new year, that's my prayer. It's my prayer for all of us, that this would be a year of walking in that new life that God offers us. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, thank you for new beginnings new years, new opportunities. As we start this new year, Lord, our prayers that we'd start it with you, that we take a step of faith, that we would make a decision today that by your grace, by the Holy Spirit within us, this is going to be a year walking with you. Lord, we just confess that we have all wandered from you. We've all gone our own way like sheep. We've all strayed. But we thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing our sin, for offering us a new life. And we pray, Lord, that this year we'd step into that. We'd walk in that. Thank you, Jesus, that you make all things new. We celebrate that this, the first Sunday of 2022. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to share in communion now. If you're here with us, I hope you received a, one of these little cups. Just take it and hold on to it now. Don't, don't open it or start eating it yet. And uh, if you're at home, hopefully you've got a cracker or a piece of bread and a, a cup of wine or juice there with you. As we go into communion, I think it's just such a fitting example of what we're talking about. That Jesus came down to earth, not to judge the earth, but to offer forgiveness and new life. And he lived this life. He showed us what a covenant with God looks like, what walking with God looks like, what living out this gospel life looked like. But then he went to the cross. And before he went to the cross, he gathered his disciples together. He took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread. He broke it, and he offered it to them. And he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. After they didn't eat, and he took the cup, and again he gave thanks to God. He offered it to his disciples. He drank from this. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He told his disciples, often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my coming until I come again in final victory. And so when we share in this meal by faith, we share in what Jesus did. That Jesus died, and in a sense we die with him. We die to our sin. We die to our, to our estrangement to God, our death. And in a sense, we rise with Christ. That as he overcame the dead, we rise into this new life. And we look forward to that promise that Jesus will come again to fulfill what he's begun in us, this new kingdom, this new covenant, this new relationship, that he'll live in our midst and we'll be his people. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and on this cup as we receive them by faith, Lord, our prayers that we receive you. That your real presence, your spiritual presence would enter into our lives. That you'd fill us again with your Holy Spirit. 
that you would call us again in this beginning of this year to be your children, that you'd forgive us again of our sin, that you would nail it again to the cross and that we would know that it's gone, that you'd rise us again to something new, a new life, a new covenant, that as we step into this new year, Lord, that we know we're stepping into something new with you. As we look forward to that day, that you'll come again and you'll complete this work that you started, that you'll complete this kingdom that you started and that you'll live with us forever. Come, Lord, and live through us today. We pray, Lord, that you'd make us one with you and one with each other and one in ministry of the whole world, that this world may know you, Lord Jesus, through us, your church, and we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so if you're here present with us, if you'll take out your little cup now, and if you're at home, if you'll take your bread, and if you're here, just pull off the top layer of that cup, the cellophane clear layer, and pull out that little wafer, that little loaf of bread. And as we have it, we're reminded that Jesus gave his own body for us, like Ezekiel lying on his side, wrapped up next to this image of destruction, that Jesus went to a cross to die for you and me. And as he did, he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Every breath that I am I will sing of the goodness of God. If you'll take that cup and just pull back the tinfoil layer, or if you're at home, take the cup that you have and just look at that. As we look at that, we're reminded of the blood that Christ shed for us, that he was pierced for us, that by his stripes we are healed. And before he did that, he said, drink from this to all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will see of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so. Oh, the 
the bad news is that sin has consequences. That when we rebel against God, when we decide to go our own way, when God says do this and we do that, there's consequences. The good news of the gospel, though, is that God has put those consequences on Jesus and not on us. It doesn't mean that in life we're not going to have difficulty or hardship, but what it means is those eternal consequences of sin and death he took on the cross. And so you and I can be free. All we have to do is allow him to have it. Like Ezekiel, by illustration, bore the sin of Israel and Judah. God, in reality, put our sin on Jesus Christ. And that's good news. Amen? Well, we're talking about how to respond to that. And in 2022, I hope you respond by, with me, taking a step of faith and using the means of grace and walking with God. We're also so thankful for your response with your financial offering. That's what makes all of this possible here at Christ Church. And so uh, there's four ways we can give this morning. If you're online or here in person, you can give at Venmo Christchurch VA. Also on the Christchurch app, there's a place to give. On our website, if you're watching there, ChristchurchVA.org forward slash give, you'll find a place there. And if you're here in person, there are offering bins by the doors on your way out with offering envelopes. Feel free to use those. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to this ministry and what God's doing through you. If you want prayer this afternoon, I encourage you to stick around for a moment. There'll be someone trained here by the back door on this side on the left. There's still a prayer room there, and they'd be happy to pray with you, talk about whatever God's doing in your life, and help you uh, work through that. Also, Pastor Tony will be here by the cross. If you're visiting with us this morning, I just ask you to take a moment, five minutes, and step over there. He's got a gift for you, but more importantly, he would love to answer any questions you have about the church and, and share with you some ways that you can help connect with Christ and his church here at Christ Church. I'll be right here if you want to hear any more about the longest sermon ever or just talk to me in this new year. Thanks for joining us today. We're going in this new year to do something. We're going in the new year to do what? To love God love others, and live out the gospel life. Amen? We'll see you soon. Take care. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet.
I believe in you.